One time when I was working as a corporate lawyer in New York City, my mother came to visit me and we went for lunch not far from my office in Midtown Manhattan. I shared with her that it had been a hard several months for me. At my law firm, at the time I was in a rotation where I was working on public stock offerings for companies. It was exhausting. I was working at least 60 hours a week and many, many late nights into the wee hours. I sat through meetings as we decided whether to describe a company's fire hydrants as game changers or top quality or both. And this company also sold pipes and joints and fittings and other such related items and we had to describe all of those too. And then were the company's were the competitors' products best described as merely viable, effective, or standard? Every time we made a change in wording, in one location in the 500-page document, it had to carry through the rest of the document, and the antiquated printing system that was still used even in the early 2000s meant that the edits had to be made manually without the benefit of find and replace. And you know whose job that was to go looking for all those places to change effective to standard. And if you're not bored yet, I don't know, because I certainly was. <laughs> but as I was explaining this to my mother, I shared that it was hard and I was tired. And on top of all that, my long-term boyfriend had recently broken up with me and at some point in the conversation, it wasn't funny anymore. I grew silent and a little teary-eyed. I was too busy at work to look for a new job. I was too sad to believe that better relationships would be coming my way. And I was too tired to be hopeful. I remember saying, I feel trapped. And then I asked the question, what now? What now? But of course, I wasn't really trapped, at least not the way that John the Baptist, who speaks from his jail cell, is trapped. He's physically trapped, and he also asks a question. Are you the one? He is no longer sure about Jesus, because Jesus is not who John the Baptist was expecting. He was expecting fire, and he got compassion instead. He was expecting overt power and strength, and he got the power and strength of quiet love instead. And so he asks, are you the one to come, or are we to wait for another? Another here means different kind. So are we to wait for a different kind of Messiah is what John is asking. Now, John is a borderline figure for Matthew, for the author of Matthew. We never hear that John becomes a follower of Jesus, and he is described here at the end of the gospel reading as lower than those who are Jesus' followers, who obtain the kingdom of heaven through their discipleship. Yet John serves an important role in this reading. He reminds us that in the midst of Advent, in the midst of everything that Jesus is doing, in the midst of John's life of prophecy, things are hard. He is in prison. He is trapped. 
He is wondering and waiting and asking the question, what or who is to come? And that is what makes this a perfect Advent reading. In Advent thus far, we've heard about the second coming of, John, of Jesus in great glory. That was Advent 1. We heard that we need to repent and turn back to God in Advent 2. And now we hear the voice of one trapped in prison. John is in this physical prison, but he's also probably in an emotional and spiritual one as he asks this question. The question that reveals his deep longing to be saved, to know the Messiah, and to be freed through this knowledge. And perhaps you know how this feels. Perhaps you know what it's like to be trapped in a job you no longer like in a relationship that has become unhealthy or in the loneliness of no relationship at all. Perhaps you know what it's like to be trapped with a medical diagnosis over which you have little control or by the care you are obligated to provide to someone you love dearly, someone who may be older or younger, and it takes so much out of you. Perhaps you are trapped by grief who is by a grief for someone who has passed away this year, or even a sense of hopelessness about our politics or climate change. And John reminds us that we are not the only ones trapped literally or figuratively. And I know, I know, I am not the only one who's ever asked the question, what now? John provides us a reality check this season where all seems to glow with love and joy. Advent 3 is, as author David Lowe's calls it, John's Blue Christmas. When Jesus responds to John, he doesn't answer the question directly. The are you the Messiah question seems to be a question that John the Baptist is going to have to answer for himself. Yet the way in which Jesus doesn't answer the question is instructive. So instead of responding yes to John the Baptist, I am the one, Jesus talks about the signs of his work, the signs of God's kingdom breaking in our world, and he uses the language of Isaiah from this morning's reading. The blind see, the lame walk, and the deaf hear. Jesus is the fulfillment of the new messianic age about which Isaiah spoke. And then Jesus goes on and he uses the language of the Magnificat, the Song of Mary, that we just sang, and also the Beatitudes. The poor have good news brought to them. Blessed are those who stay with me and do not fall away. These are all very specific examples in this non-response to John. So specific that we are to understand that God's response to our need is also specific. It's particular to us and to the questions we are asking. Jesus is reminding us that this is how God and Christ works, responding to our need, our cry of what's next, and the particular way in which we feel trapped in our lives. Jesus expands John's question to show him and us that there is no single response, no single expression of God's love. It's not one size fits all. It's right-sized to you, the res God's response. And God's love fits you as an individual child of God with your particular and specific need. Well, my mother didn't answer my question either. 
and neither did any of my friends. But as I kept asking the question, what now, the question began to change. Instead of what now, I began to ask, what's next? Because as I was able to stand back over time and look at my situation, I understood indeed that something was next. This was not all that there was or would be for me. And this is true for you. No matter how trapped you feel, when you begin to ask what's next, you're asking a question of deep longing for something to come, and in this longing is hope a sign of new life. Slowly but surely, I found ways to get more sleep. I went on dates, and with a friend's help, I strategized the next couple of years professionally and began a series of promising job changes. I went back to church, and I learned again to look for the signs of God's inbreaking in my life and God's love for me. Don't be misled. It wasn't a straight line between that lunch and my life today. And it's probably not for you. As you think about moments when you were down, when you felt trapped, or when you were having a blue Christmas. And yet one day, one day at a time, one step at a time, God opens the way with responses to the questions we ask. What now? What's next? Are you the one? And God's responses to our questions, which we should never stop asking, by the way. God's response expands and reframes the questions so that God's love can enter our particular situation, responding to our specific need. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the priest, theologian, and martyr, wrote about hope as he waited in his prison cell in Germany in the months before he was executed by the Nazis for plotting to kill Hitler. On November 21st, 1943, he wrote, A prison cell is a good analogy for Advent. One waits, hopes, does this or that, ultimately negligible things. The door is locked and can only be opened from the outside. Christ is coming to rescue us from the prisons of our existence, from anxiety, from guilt, and from loneliness. As Bonhoeffer saw it, Advent is a period of waiting for the door to be opened and for us to be free, even as we know that we are already free in Christ. Advent is our reminder that Jesus has already come and yet will come again. This is the tension and hope of Advent, and it's also the tension and hope of our lives. Even as we may feel trapped or discouraged, we know that we are free in Christ. Even as we struggle to be hopeful in our own lives, we have the ultimate hope that Christmas is coming and Jesus will be born again. Even as we ask, what's next for me? God in Christ is opening the way for us to find answers to the questions in ways that affirm God's love for us that affirm new life and new creation in our lives. Even as we wonder, are you the one? God is showing us signs of the inbreaking of God's kingdom in our lives. For the longing and the waiting in our lives are not without meaning or without end. They are signs of new life forming in our hearts 
They are signs of God's incarnation in Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. Indeed, they are signs that our hope is not in vain. Christmas is coming. Jesus will be born. Our Messiah has come, is here, and will come again. Amen.